Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Dental Implant Podcast. Um, yes, I've had a break for a while, and partly because of that is because I've just been absolutely manic at work and at home. Uh, I do appreciate those who've been reaching out to me to say, Pav, look, we, we, we're enjoying the podcast. When are, you, when are you recording some more? So here I am, okay? Uh, I'm at work. I'm in between patients. I'm taking my break and because uh, I love to talk about everything re- relating to dental implants, I'm recording this during my break time. Lighting's not great. You're going to have to bear with me, but most of you listen via audio anyway, okay? So, right Let's take this opportunity. Why don't we call this season two, right? Let's call it season two. Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Um, uh, <laughs> that's just an excuse because I've had a break for a while. Right, where shall we start? Okay, so, how about this for a topic? I've been thinking about this for a while. I've got a number of really good topics lined up. I've got a few more guests who, who are lined to come up as well. Uh, one of them in particular I'm really looking forward to, to, to speaking to. Um, in fact, two of them in, 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 in December, so that should be good. Um, I've had a few people um, request this topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I know my good friend Bill Schaefer spoke about this at the ADI conference this weekend just gone. And that is failures. You know, what happens when things don't quite go according to plan, okay? Um, Now, let's change this up slightly, okay? Instead of just talking about failures, let's talk about my failures. Let's talk about the issues that I have had um, since I started placing implants and particularly the ones that spring to mind. And hopefully we'll try to build up a theme of, uh, of, of what caused these failures uh, as, as, as we're going through them. So as we all know is, you know, anybody who turns around and says to you they have a 100% success rate with implants, they're either placing one or two implants per year, in which case it's easy to have a 100% success rate, or they're bending the truth a little bit. This kind, this kind of like no, no in between. Okay, any, any, any person who plays a lot of implants, they'll be open on it. Just turn around and say, yeah, you know what? I do get failures for, from time to time. Um, sometimes you get what are called cluster failures for whatever reason. I've had this before, uh, where you know things are, are fine for for, for 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 a while, and all of a sudden you start getting patients coming back with uh, with, with with a handful of failures. Um, and what I've one thing that that's taught me is keep track of how often you're using your buzz. As soon as you start to see cluster failures, change your buzz. Uh, change your uh, most frequently used buzz more frequently. Um, uh, that that is that is a very very big tip. Okay, that's just that's just while I'm talking. <laughs> let's get into let's get into the meat a little bit more if we if we should the proverbial meat. Okay, um, so. One of the one of one of the first failures that I had, I think it was the second or third case that I did solo after initially learning dental implants. Um, I've touched on this before that I'm quite a confident person and I am prepared to take risks. That's just that's just me personally. And um, my second or third case that I did solo was a dual arch all on four. 
Um, the patient just outright couldn't afford treatment. And I turned around and said to her, I've just been on an implant course that basically what I'm going to do is I'm not going to make any profit on this whatsoever. I'm just going to charge you the cost of the implants and the cost of lab work. That's it. So she had a ridiculous discount. She was initially happy with that. So uh, I did the treatment for her. And the issue that I had is one of the implants failed to integrate on the top right-hand side. And I didn't have the surgical skill to go back in and do a revision surgery. Um, now, what I would say here is it's always exciting learning new skills. And you've heard me say this before. You'll hear other people say it over and over again. Please, please, please do not, under any circumstances, start to run before you can walk. Okay. I have um, I have some people turning around and saying to me, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pav, what should I do? You know, the, the practice that I work at is they, their principal or one of their associate dentists has just started placing implants. They want me to take the teeth out and then they want to do the implants. It's, you know what, it's, if you're not confident taking teeth out, either surgically or minimally invasively, that's where you need to start your training. That's where you need to start. If you can't raise flaps, if you can't suture comfortably and confidently, start there. You know, it's not it's not a sprint to get to the end. You know, it's I think I've mentioned this before as well, is when I first started, I was seriously, I hated surgery. You know, everything that I did was was predominantly restorative. Um and anything to do with surgery is it was just it was, you know, it was, it was stressful for me. And now all I do is surgery. You know, I, I place implants every single day, uh, at Evo Dental. Um, you know, all we, all we do here is full arch and dual arch. So, you know, I'm, I'm placing 10 implants a day. I didn't go from zero surgical skill to placing 10 implants a day and like that overnight. It just did not happen. Okay. Your confidence grows incrementally. You need to know where you want to be, but you have to be truthful about where you are and take the necessary steps. If you start to skip steps, it is going to come and bite you in the backside. Okay. There is no shame whatsoever in turning around and saying, uh, I'm not, I'm not confident suturing because a key to success is competent suturing. You need to be good at doing it. I can show you how to suture in five uh, five minutes, but it takes a long time to build up that muscle memory. How many times have we spoken about muscle memory? A lot. So I used to sit at home, practice suturing, practice suturing. And people used to say, oh, what, what, what are you doing this again? Why? And you just do it for hours and hours and hours because you're building up that muscle memory. Okay. So when we're starting off in dental implantology, one of the quickest ways to get to failure is pushing the envelope too much. That's what I'm trying to get to. So it's really important that you work with a mentor, you understand what your um, what your limitations are. And then anything that you start to push the boundaries of your limitations, get your mentor involved. Okay. Because what I had to do at that stage for that particular patient, I had to Pay somebody to come in and put a new implant for me because this lady also needed a sinus lift at the same time. I just wasn't there. Okay. Which, um, okay. Talking about sinus lifts, guess what? As soon as I did a, 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 a course in sinus lifting, I started thinking, oh, I can do sinuses. 
lift, doing working in the sinus is no different to to building up skills elsewhere. Uh, it's a relatively easy concept to learn. It can be quite difficult to start to get proficient at it. Now, because of the work again that I do at Evo Dental, I go into the sinus probably two three times a week. So there's a difference between going into the sinus two three times a week. If you rip the membrane, it's like okay, fine, we'll get it dealt with, and you know what to do. Versus what I was doing before, which was going into the sinus maybe one or two times per year, okay? That's not in the patient's best interest, okay? Because if as soon as you start going to sinuses, your indemnity costs go up, the skill required goes up, and it's a whole new skill set that you need to learn. So how about this is, okay, you know what, is if you're not doing enough sinus work, and we have spoken about this on a previous podcast before, not doing enough of a certain type of work, that's fine. Stick to what you are doing and the handful of cases that you're doing. Get somebody in. Get them to show you. Be mentored with it. Um, it's people actually find a drop in income when they start doing sinuses because they're not doing them that often, but their indemnity goes up. So you know what is if you're doing plenty of them and you just happen to be in that you know in 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 uh, in in that type of demographic where you know most of your patients need sinus lifting, then great, fantastic. Um, but if you're not, there's no harm in turning around and saying, you know what, that's one of the things I'm not going to do. I'm going to get somebody else to do that. Okay. Again, what is the, what is the same theme that we've just spoken about there? The same theme is you have a certain amount of training and all of a sudden you think that you can, that, that, or you feel confident enough to start doing this type of work. So education is step one. Step two is mentoring. Okay. You will you will 100 pay 100% pay one way or another either you pay a mentor to teach you how to do it properly or you pay um out of your own pocket to fix what's not gone according to plan out of those two avenues only one ends up with a happy patient because when things don't go according to plan and you know and 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 you're not quite sure what to do or all of a sudden it significantly increases your treatment time. Patients do not like that. They are not happy, okay? So the first uh, sinus that I did ended up ripping the lining uh, and I had to abort the procedure. Bought the same patient back six weeks later, uh, ripped the lining a second time around. Um, and, you know, in uh, that, so that was, that was twice that the procedure had to be aborted. And again, it goes back to one of those things, appropriate, appropriate education, appropriate mentoring. Okay. Um, by, by getting good mentoring, you're going to find, um, you're going to find your skills will increase exponentially. Okay. What is a, another failure that I've had? Okay. Um, this is a big one and it's one that's quite often overlooked and that is not managing the patient properly. The psychological journey of patients is very, very important and it needs to be managed appropriately. Okay. Um, this isn't just a fissure sealing or a filling that the patients have, having done. Uh, and particularly when you start to place a lot of implants, you get quite comfortable and confident in yourself and you forget how big a deal it is to the patients. Um, and you need to understand that this is a big step for them. This is a big deal for them. So learning how to uh, um, how to speak to patients, which is something that I spoke with uh, Paul Homley before in the past, and learning how to put them at ease is actually very, very important. You know, is spotting spotting patients who are 
who are red flags before you even do surgery. We always get that, don't we? We see some patients where we get that gut feeling internally, this isn't the right thing to do. When your gut tells you that, listen to your gut, okay? So I had one patient two weeks ago, okay? Um, was I capable of doing the, the surgery? Yes, it was, you know, it wasn't an easy case. You needed sinus grafting, vertical and horizontal augmentation, and basically a, a full reconstruction on the upper right hand side. She had no bones. It was, you know, it's difficult to do, but it was doable. But I felt like she wasn't quite listening to what I was saying. And at that point, it wasn't fair for me to progress with her treatment because she'd had implants before and um her response was these implants were only done 32 years ago only done 32 years ago she was upset that the implant she had done 32 years ago had failed and when I told her that you know if we get 10 years use out of your implants if I do it anything above that is a bonus she just she just did not listen so I ended up saying to her, you know, uh, because I, I brought her back for a second consultation after having a CVCT scan done, I just turned around and said to her, I don't think I'm the right person to do your treatment for you. Would you mind if I referred you on? And she was like, yeah, fine, not a problem at all. So learning to manage patients and learning what these red flag patients are is critically important. You know, if you've got uh, somebody who comes in and they are hyper-focused on aesthetics and they need an upper anterior doing, is you cannot charge standard fees. They are going to, you know, you're going to have to do some very special, fancy stuff to get it to look right. And um, and uh, you need to you need to assess and think to yourself, you know, is this patient being reasonable with what they expect? You know, for all the disease process that they have in their mouth is a good um, is a good outcome achievable. And there is a difference between good and perfect. Does the patient understand that? Is the patient prepared to accept that? Expect perfection. I'm just like, you know, what? It's, if they expect perfection and it's doable, then I charge them for it. And uh, the charge goes up significantly. That normally puts the patients off um, or particularly the patients who come in and they'll say, well, you know what? Uh, how much do you charge for an implant? Because I'm getting competitive quotes. I just turn around and say to them without even asking what tooth it is, what they need doing, and just turn around and say to them straight, if you're looking for a cheaper cost, you're going to you're gonna find that elsewhere. So if that's what you're interested in, please don't come in to see me because you're just going to end up upset with what I have to say and it's going to be a waste of my time. If being cheap is, is, is what's important to you, there are lots of people out there who can help you, but it's not me. Okay, so what we've covered so far, we've covered three things. We've uh, covered uh, that case. Uh, well, the first two are kind of similar, right? They're both cases whereby I did a course and I jumped into treatment that was too complex and got burnt as a result. And a big part of that is because I felt overconfident and I didn't have a, uh, 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 or I didn't run it past my mentor. Okay, the second one is a uh, uh, psychological Okay, it's it's understanding which patients we should or which we shouldn't treat, and listening to your gut instinct, listening to your gut instinct. Okay, and a big part of that as well is um, you get some patients you feel sorry for them, you do them a favour, you reduce your fees, they're the ones who come to bite you in your in the backside. If you know what your fees are supposed to be, stick to them. Don't don't do it. Don't start reducing fees. Don't you know? Don't it's it's hard because. We naturally want to empathize with patients, but their problems are not our problems, okay? And we don't want to make them our problems because then we're going to have other issues, okay?
What are other mistakes that I've made over the years? Um, other mistakes are not understanding the implant system that I'm using. And this one's quite a big one because whenever you start with a new system, there's always a little bit of a learning curve. Um, the more uh, the more you place implants, the, the obviously the shorter that learning curve is. However, you need to understand what the implant design is supposed to do, okay? If you don't understand what the implant de implant design is supposed to do, does it work better in immediates? Does it work better in hard bone? Does it work better in soft bone? Is it not actually designed for immediates in the, in, in the slightest? Is What's the surface like? What's the connection type like? All of these play a role in how you use implants, okay? And if you don't know what the implant's supposed to do, how can you use it? Right. That's you think that's quite a, a, a simple thing. Right. Uh, this is a mistake that I made uh, a few years ago. I, I switched um, I switched implant systems. Uh, I used it as if I was uh, still using my older implant system, which was a much more aggressive thread. And I had cluster failure and I couldn't figure it out. And it was only after I spoke to uh, Stavros uh, of Theriou, who is he's just one of, honestly is one of the nicest guys. I just turned around and said to him, I said, look, Stavros, I'm having this issue. I said, it's obviously not the implant because other people are using the implant. I, um, I said, so, you know, the common denominator is there for me. Can you talk me through it? Can you help me uh, uh, improve improve my success rate with this? And, um, you know, we, we bounced some ideas around. And at the end, he was like, Pav, he said, you, you're kind of like new already. He said, you've answered your own questions. So I had to modify what I was doing based upon the implant design that I decided that I wanted to use. If you're starting on a new implant system, okay, or you want to change, whatever it is, is speak to your reps and get them to put you in contact with somebody who's very proficient in that implant system. I'm sure they'll be able to, happy to help you out. Speak to them. Look, are there any tips and tricks that 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 that, that you can give me before I start using this? Um, you know, and your your reps are normally uh, uh, very good to 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 have on board and and, and pick their brains as well. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, we go through a lot of implants here uh, at Evo Dental. And we get a lot of people coming just to visit us for the day. And some of those who come to visit us for the day are because they're considering switching implant systems. They're considering moving to Southern. And they kind of like just want to see what, what, it's, what, what it's like, like why we use it. So they want to see not only us to see the type of stuff that we do, but they, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm having problems with, 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 with it. You know, can, can you show me your technique that, or, you know, I'm considering switching. Can I look at the implant? Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. You know, we're here to support each other. There's too much tripping up other colleagues. If we all supported each other a little bit more, um, we'd actually, would actually fare much, much better. Okay. So that last one was understand your implant system very well before you start using it, okay? What's another mistake that I've made? Another mistake that I've made is really quite simply not changing my burrs over frequently enough um, and not respecting the type of bone that I'm drilling through as well. If you're in an area, there are some areas where all your patients are walking through the door, they've got really dense bone. Well, guess what? You're gonna to need to change your burrs a hell of a lot more than if than if you're going through softer bone, okay? Is speak to your implant system. They'll all, some of them will turn around and say, uh, you know, it's, change after 10 uses, 15 uses, 20 uses, I would say maximum 20 uses, even if you're going through soft bone. Um, and 
if you're in a position where you can charge this type of stuff, you know what? For your pilot and your two millimeter twist, use a brand new burr for every single patient because they're the ones, A, which are, uh, which burn out the, the, the fastest and they're used more as well. But B is if you, if you're using brand new pilots and, and two millimeter twists, well, that's, in a lot of cases, that's like, the lion's share of your osteotomy done. The rest of it is just kind of like re refinement, basically. Um, so be very aware of how often you are, um, uh, uh, how often you're 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 using your burrs. Okay, what's another mistake that I've made? Um, oh yeah, as soon as you start to get comfortable and you think, oh, I want to do immediate placements. Uh, I think I've got the skills. I want to start doing immediate placements. Um, what happens? is you look at it and you go, everything becomes an immediate placement. You go, I'm going to immediate place on everything. It doesn't quite work like that. There are certain instances where you can't. And there are certain instances now where I will book a patient for immediate implant placement. And I will say to the patients that if I take the tooth out, not 100% happy, you're going to go delayed. And sometimes you push the boundaries a little bit too much. And... Um, Whilst you can get the implant in and stable is either the implant doesn't take or, or all the buckle bone, buckle plate disappears. Now, that said, is you can actually place implants immediately in far more situations than what you can actually realize. Um, because there's a technique called immediate dental alveolar restoration, Dr. Rosso. Go look it up. It's phenomenal. Even if you have a buckle plate missing, you can still do an immediate placement. And anybody who tells you otherwise does not understand the biology. Okay, if you're doing, um, let's say you're doing upper premolar, whatever it is, and the buckle plate is missing, well, or or if the buckle plate is really thin because people are like, oh, well, it's bundle bone, it's going to disappear. Like, yeah, it is, but you know what? If that's the case, why don't you just raise a small flap, get rid of it, place the implant and graft at the same time? What's the difference? There is no difference, none, none at all. So you need to think biologically and mechanically, not just, oh, I read this textbook. That's the only way to do it. That's not the right thing at all. Okay. Um, what are other mistakes that I've made? Um, reusing components, uh, healing abutments, pickups, things like that is nah. N now it's brand new healing abutments, brand new impression copings, brand new lab analogs. Uh, Riaz Yar and I have discussed why this is so important before in the past. Um, what's another mistake that I've made? Um, cutting fees for implants and then using a cheap lab. And um, I, I'm not blaming the lab. I'm not blaming. I'm not saying that you know cheap labs are, are are all rubbish or anything along those lines. I'm saying that it's normally given to somebody less experienced. Or, you know, it's, it's if they're doing it cheap, they're doing it cheap for a reason. And it's, it's, it's not quite as refined, not quite as nice. Now, the issue that you have here is if you're starting off in implants and you immediately start charging the super high fees, or you may be in an area where you can't, where you can't charge high fees, you've got to be sensible, you know, is if you use at least a reasonable lab, they'll get you out of hot water in, 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 in a lot of occasions. So, uh, the lab that I use now, they're based in, um, uh, he's based in London. Uh, I get him to do all of my work for me. And I would say nine times out of 10 just drops in, no occlusal adjustments, absolutely nothing. It's just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, so choose your labs carefully. Just because you've been going to one lab for crown and bridge work for, 10, 15 years doesn't automatically mean that they're going to have uh, uh, the skills to be able to do implant retained work for you, okay? 
Uh, what's another mistake that I've made? Uh, not appreciating the difference between single uh, implants and bridge work and, and, and full arch as well. Um, the biomechanics behind uh, sectional bridges is very different to, to, to single teeth. Even if you use a surgical guide, those implants are not going to be 100% parallel. So you've immediately got path of insertion issues. So then you need a plan on how to deal with those path of insertion issues. And if you don't understand any of that, please stick to singles at the moment, do a bit more education, speak to a mentor, et cetera, and start to build it up that way. Is Now, we know the studies tell us that even with 100% guided surgery, and that's, that's fully guided, including guided placement, that those implants, you know, there's, there, is, there is a one or two degree, at least, uh, deviation from the plant position. So if you've got one implant here, which, which is two degrees off, and you've got another implant here, which is two degrees off, they might be off by four, by four degrees. That's a lot. That's not going to give you a passive restoration. So how, how do you bypass that becomes the question. Um, and particularly when it comes to full arches, is not giving the lab enough restorative space. So if you are doing an FP1, great. If you're doing an FP2, fine. If you're doing an FP3, uh, then you need to give the lab adequate space. And there are some uh, instances where you are limited by anatomy. Well, then what do you do? Well, then you need to speak to your lab beforehand and figure out exactly uh, how are you going to compromise or where are you going to compromise and come up to a mutual agreement before you do it? Uh, nice thing again about Evo Dental is we've got our digital lab on board. All of our stuff done, done digitally. Don't make any dentures, none of that stuff. Forget that stuff. Uh, but we can brainstorm digitally beforehand. Um, so, yeah, so adequate restorative space. Another time where you'll get tripped up on that is uh, particularly towards the back of the mouth. And you go, okay, fake, you know, there's a ton of bone. Easy peasy. It's going to be fantastic. You put in your implant and then you take impressions and you look at your restorative space and you've got like four millimeters and your lab goes to you, what exactly do you want me to do here? So you need to understand um, exactly how much restorative space that you need and how you can create it. And if you can't create it, should you be putting an implant in that position? So this is all stuff that you need to bear in mind. Okay. Uh, what else? Um, by the way, guys, I'm, I'm aware that I'm rambling. It's almost like kind of semi-deliberate, but I hope that you can see the, 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 the theme of what's going on, okay? Um, another big mistake is, and this is one that I've corrected more recently, is when you're starting a new skill, is not having a mentor. These mentors are here, you will pay them, that's absolutely fine. They're here to teach you, don't do it that way. If you do it that way, you're gonna make this mistake. And I know that because I've made those mistakes. You are paying for their experience, okay? And what it means is you will get better faster, okay? That's it, period, end of discussion, okay? Don't try to run before you can walk. Don't just do a course, think that you can do everything and do not neglect your mentor, okay? Is if you want to be really profitable, stick to the, the, the single implants. Just, you know, you just market the hell out of it and bang, 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 single single implants. You'll become very proficient at that. Once you start to get up to Stexon's quadrants, send it out to somebody else. If you're doing enough of them, then yes, absolutely fine. But what will happen is, is... Just because you're proficient at singles doesn't automatically mean that translates forward into more complicated work. So if you're doing enough of that complicated work, fantastic, then you will de develop a mindset. Otherwise, it actually costs you money. Okay, the issue that we have as dentists this is something that I've been guilty of in the past is our ego gets in the way. Okay, so I've mentioned before I'm being trained to play zygomatics. My mentor is Greg Boyce Valley, one of the most experienced zygomatic surgeons on the planet. 
and I am, uh, and I'm not going to do any cases without him. We sit down, we brainstorm, we go through it. He's there over my shoulder by my side, uh, uh, whenever we're doing any cases. And because that's the only fair thing to do to the patient, right? Um, so if we're, you know, if you're in this to, to expand your skill set and, and to make money, understand that running before you can walk leads to income loss, significant income loss. Um, and you will get yourself into hot water. Okay. Um, what's the next mistake that I've made is we've talked about your lab technicians that talk about lab materials. You're skimping on lab materials and, you know, not cleaning them properly when they, when they, when, when they come back using inappropriate materials. Um, uh, Thomas Linkovicious is, you know, read his textbook. Um, I've done a, a podcast on it, Zero Bone Loss Concepts, and the concept of highly polished zirconia against the, uh, against the soft tissues, it works absolutely beautifully. It really does work exceptionally well. That that's a must read for anybody who's who's um, uh, who's who's into who's who's either in or getting into implants. Okay. Um, what's another mistake that I've made is thinking that there's uh, that there's one way to do everything, um, particularly when it comes to bone grafting. People want the simplest solution. They go, oh, all you have to do is put this material against the bone and you don't have to do any type of protective work. You don't have to put in any type of membrane and you, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. Why, why does that go down so well? Because it's such a simple way of doing it. You know, if people turn around and say to you, you don't have to learn how to control your flaps. You don't have to learn how to pin membranes in place. Literally, all that you have to do is put this against it. And it's, it's a miracle. And it will just regenerate. Is is That's not quite how it works, as you can appreciate. Okay? Um, and it, the same goes with, with soft tissue work. Um, there's too many people out there neglecting the soft tissue work. And quite simply, um, thick, robust soft tissue is what's going to protect your implant long term. That's it. It's that simple. So if you don't have the uh, uh, skills to do vestibular plasties and pharyngeal grafts and, and uh, augment the soft tissue in other ways, you need to get yourself on a soft tissue course. Um, one of my uh, one of the courses that I did was with Howie Gluckman in South Africa. Absolutely superb. So guys, I've been rambling for the best part of about half an hour now. So a couple of things I'll probably finish off with, and I will start recording more um, uh, pretty quickly for you. Uh, firstly, if there are any topics that you want me to cover, please do let me know. Always happy. Uh, if there's uh, anything weird and wonderful that you like the idea of that, it, and I'm not just like, you know, it may be that, oh, Pav, I've come across this. What do you think of it? And, or it may be that you do something frequently. It's like, you know, let's get you on and, you know, we'll, 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 We'll hear about it, you know, we'll critically appraise it. Um, one, of, one of the next ones that I want to do is probably on corrosion of components because corrosion is poorly understood, but it plays a massive impact long term uh, on periimplantitis and health around implants. Um, um, the other thing that I would say as well is for those who are based in the UK, you're not based in the UK, you're welcome to come over. Um, if you wanted to come and see what we do at Evo Dental, the, the doors are open. We can arrange what's called an Evo experience where you basically you come down for a day. 
Um, so, you know, is, if you want, if you want to arrange that, we've had lots of people come and have it done. Uh, and, you know, we've got clinics in Liverpool, Solihull and Heathrow, which is where I work. Um, we can arrange that for you. It's fine. It's not a problem. Um, and in fact, let me give you, let me give you the email address right now. Let me bring it up. Okay. So if you want to book a, an Evo experience, email Angela.Robinson at evodental.com. She will arrange it for you. So thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Um, I will be back very shortly with the next episode. Please, please, please um, uh, uh, share this podcast across uh, your networks so that other people listen to it, even if they don't really, you know, place implants, even if they're not in dentistry, it just helps the numbers out. Um, if you're on uh, YouTube, please leave a like, please comment, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, it just really massively helps you out. Okay. So I've got some guests coming up that I'll be interviewing in December. Uh, I am back on it. I will be recording more. Uh, please let me know what topics you want me to cover. And uh, I will do my best to, 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 to record those for you. So folks, thank you very much for your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, whatever it is. And I'll speak to you guys soon. Bye.